All right, welcome to another Daybreak Crypto episode. I'm here with my co-host, Anon.Kuji, or Greg, you can call him by either. Um, and today we're actually talking about Kujira, so a very fitting name, actually. And Kujira is a new layer one that deployed on uh, the in the Cosmos ecosystem using the Cosmos SDK. However, previous, they actually had a protocol that was operational on uh, Luna, so on Terra. And they basically were one of the the protocols that did the liquidation queue for Anchor. So a, a very successful protocol in its own in its own right. Um, however, unfortunately, with the Luna crash, uh, that took them down as well, which is why they decided to redeploy on Cosmos as their own layer one. So with that kind of as the background, kind of want to pass it off to you, Greg, because I know you were quite involved in the Terra community prior to the crash. I was as well. Um, so we're both familiar with the protocol, but you might be a little more familiar with kind of, you know, what they've done prior to this and kind of what they're doing now on Cosmos. Yeah. So Kujira was always one of the really good protocols on um, Terra, because like you said, they did the um, liquidation queues or the liquidation bids. So Anchor, where many people did their bor- borrowing, um, liquidations used to be controlled completely by bots they would be buying the liquidated assets at up to a 30% discount and then basically selling them right away, which would put even more pressure on these already distressed assets. So what um, Kujira did was kind of they democratized this and they made it so that anybody can put in a bid at certain discount amounts. And then as those discount amounts are reached and their bills are fit and their bids are filled, they're able to get those assets at a discount. And then with people buying them, they're more likely to hold on to them, whereas the bots were basically instantly selling them, causing more sell pressure and stuff like that. So this should. So the thing, it was really cool on Terra because it was able to kind of help everybody buy assets, help stabilize the price when it was working. Obviously, in the end, there was other stuff going on. But and I think that with the crash of Terra, they kind of realized that they were. I mean, they were beholden to Terra. They weren't able to kind of go out on their own. So now that they're able to form their own L1 and have their own chain, they are in control of everything that they can do. And I think that they, I mean, we've seen all the stuff that they've released already. And if you go and look at their roadmap, they have all the stuff that they had released on Terra. And there's a bunch of stuff still that they haven't even come up with on their L1 yet. So there is a lot of stuff being built and a lot of stuff that has already been built by them. Yeah. And like you mentioned, their, their product actually worked really well on uh, Luna and for Luna, I should say. But the problem was it was tied to Luna itself because it was a layer two. So therefore, right. it had to rely on you know Luna's consensus and security to run the protocol. So when Luna crashed, they had no choice, right? That Now they either can, well, they could have continued on the chain. They clearly did not choose to do that. But that is why they deployed on Cosmos. Because now, like you were mentioning, they're in control of their own destiny. Uh, they're their own L1 with their own validator set. And to me, that's one piece that's kind of unique about um, Kujira now. But what's also unique, and, and this is maybe the same when they're on Terra, but it's unique in, in the Cosmos, is that there's no inflation with the Kuji to- or token. So most most tokens in the Cosmos ecosystem have uh, an inflation rate, and that is how you are introducing new tokens into supply which I guess is diluting you as a shareholder unless you're staking. Um, but even so, it is diluting the price of each token. So what's unique about Kuji is that it's all fee-driven uh, inflation, meaning 
you're not actually inflating the supply of tokens. You're just redistributing the fees collected to the stakers. And to me, that's a much um, much more sustainable model. And that's really what it seems like Kujir is going for, is this, this idea of sustainability. Yeah, exactly. And actually, the cool thing was originally on Terra, they were like most other tokens where they had inflation. Um, but then they, you know, talked with the community and they decided to change. And I think that's another cool thing is they're able to see and recognize that they can do it a different way, maybe. And like you said, I mean, right now the APR is sitting at 2.3%. So it's not very high, but it is all, that's their real actual APR that you're getting. There's no inflation involved in that. So that's kind of, you look at like some of these, like osmosis where they're, I don't know, their emissions finish in like 10 years. And then after that, that's their APR is going to come from all fees. But basically, Kujira cut out that middle middle section and they just said, we're going to do all fees and build from there. Yeah. And, and I know with Osmosis uh, particularly, their fees collected aren't very substantial either. So eventually I, that could change, right? Like as they don't have incentive through inflation, they could clearly change their fee structure. So ways to fix that. But to your point, yeah. Kujira is basically taking the stance from the start that Hey, that if we want to be sustainable from the beginning, let's not rely on, you know, incentivizing people to come use our product through this idea of just giving you free tokens, if you will, by staking. They're saying, come use our product. If you like our product, stake your token, and then you can earn from others who also like the product and want to use it. And to me, that makes a lot more sense in terms of just like tangible, you know, passing of, of income versus this idea of inflation where it's just new tokens. Uh, being distributed, which obviously there's money flowing in, so they have value. But the idea that you're actually taking, you know, real fiat or real monetary value that's coming to the system and redistributing that, to me, makes a lot more sense um, from a sustainability standpoint. Yes, I completely agree. And um, obviously, it's not something that every protocol can do. But right. I think Kujira, they made the specific choice to do this from the start and that building it from the start that way has been very beneficial to them. Because everybody, like you said, understands that this is the APR is a lot lower than most crypto um, APRs are, mm-hmm. but it's real APR that actually is, it's real profit that's being brought in. Yeah. And, and I guess to kind of pivot from there. So we're talking about all these fees, right? And how they use fees to generate their actual return and rewards. But like we haven't really talked about what products they have that are actually generating these fees. So I think that the main products right now that they've launched is Fin, which is their their DEX, and it's an order book style DEX, which is kind of a more more traditional to what we're used to in the the more uh, traditional finance world. But in the crypto world, we're kind of we've been kind of accustomed to these AMMs, these automate automated market makers. So Kuji is one of the first I think order book DEXs in the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, and so they're going to operate more or less like a brokerage order book, and they're taking fees on those trades, um, as well as I, I believe they're also taking the network fees from the gas. But then they also are going to be launching their lending platform, with which they have launched, Orca. Um, well, I guess it's not their lending platform, but that will be used to, I believe, house their they're borrowing. So Orca is basically going to be like what Anchor was on the borrowing side, not necessarily on the, it won't be anywhere near 20% APR that you'll be getting. But as far as you deposit an asset and then you get their stable coin, which is called USK, and then you can use that for whatever you want. 
Um, and then Orca also will incorporate the liquidations of those loans, where if people take out too much money or the assets drop in price, then there will be a decentralized way for others to buy those assets from them. Okay. Yeah. So it's all in one system, kind of. Okay. That's, I think that's where my initial confusion might have been is that they are kind of combining it where you're, you're minting your USK, which is the new stable coin that was announced by Kujira, I believe, last week or maybe a week and a half ago. They announced it and they're already kind of rolling out their test net um, for USK, which is basically an over collateralized uh, stable coin. And it's very similar to DAI. Uh, they use that same kind of similar model DAI uses. Um, and one thing that they we were talking about was the fees with with Orca, and that is probably going to generate the most substantial fees uh, for the network. So although right now they do have Fin operating and collecting fees, I think this the, I think Orca is really is what going to drive a lot of the the rewards back to stakers through all the different mechanisms they have to actually generate fees. So yeah. I know just by minting. Uh, USK alone, they're going to take a 0.5% fee, which is redistributed to stakers. Um, when someone purchases the liquidated collateral, they are going to pay a 0.5% fee to withdraw it, which, you know, if you're buying the collateral, you eventually go on and withdraw it. Um, the person getting liquidated is going to be charged a 1% fee. And then you're also getting the 5% APR from the borrowing on the, the collateral that you're putting up um, so to mint USK. So when you, when you think about that, I think that's around 7% um, they're collecting throughout the process of liquidation. And this, is, and this isn't even counting um, what's being, you know, included from network fees, from gas and, and different transactions that are going on. So over time, as more volume builds up on the protocol, I can imagine these APRs could actually get to a pretty high level where you're getting a better return than you'd see out in the market typically, but it's sustainable in the sense that it's all real fees being generated. Yeah, well, I think the cool thing is, too, that without the inflation, the sell pressure is really only going to come from when the price goes up really high and people are looking to sell to get. So and then in that case, I think the APR will, like you said, it'll fluctuate, but it'll eventually find a, a good happy medium where people are happy holding on to it because it's not too high a price and they're still getting a good APR for it. But it's all going to be sustainable, a sustainable APR that they're going to be generating with these fees. Yeah, and you're right, because there, there's something to be said about just taking your staking rewards um, and, and either selling them every day or just watching your overall, the price slowly you know get diluted down by a new supply, especially during these bear market times where there's not all this capital flying in to prop up that price and, and basically outpace the inflation. So even in the, the times where there isn't a lot of money flowing into these DEXs, yeah, sure, the APR might go down like you mentioned. But the price is probably going to stay pretty stable um, unless people are in the situation you talked about where they're at a point where they're very much in the in the black and they want to sell and take profit. But at that point, but it should, less volatility should be introduced without having any inflation. Exactly right. Exactly. Which is the main point I think you were getting at is just yeah. this this there's less of this dilution effect and you're going to have more stability in price um, and more likely it's going to take a lot less to bring the price up because, again, you're not fighting this this inflationary effect to, to get your net inflation, which is hopefully positive for people. Um, but yeah, so so that's the two main things they're, they're driving fees off of or going to be, which is FIN, their order book decks, and then Orca, their liquidation market. Um, and then we kind of want to touch on, I think, a few of the pairs that they're, they're, they have on the decks currently. 
Um, and then maybe some of the new ones that we think they either could add or they've mentioned they, they could potentially add. And one thing I did want to, I wanted to ask you, so what do you think the advantage of an order book over an AMM is? Got it. Or why do you think that they would have done that? So I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, I think both have their advantages and disadvantages. Why did, why do I think Kujir did it? I think it's twofold. One, no one else is doing it in the cosmos. So it's kind of this product market fit that they can, they can, utilize with without stepping on the toes of all these other established DEXs. So I think for, first and foremost, it was an opportunity. On top of that, it, it does present a much more, um, I guess for a trader, if you think of yourself as more of a trader than let's say a long-term holder, I prefer the order book style DEX because it allows me to kind of take my hands off a little bit, especially in a 24-7 market because I can place, you know, stop limits or, you know, purchase uh, limits, stuff like that. So so that your basic or purchase orders are, you know what I mean? So basically so that when we are setting price targets, you can, you can lock them in and you don't have to think about them. You don't, you don't have to be constantly watching the markets to see what's happening. But then additionally, you're avoiding slippage because you're agreeing to a fixed price, right? You're, you're basically saying, I'll pay this much for it. And then they'll give it to you at that price or lower or sell it at that price or higher. And so to me, you're, you're more or less getting that at the price you want to instead of the price that it's trading at or the way that the pool is balanced. So I'd say avoid slippage is the main thing. And two is just being able to put in stop limits and orders and, and being able to control your what you're doing without constantly having to have your hands on the wheel. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a great explanation. I did want to mention too, uh, Crescent, they do also have a um, order book style decks that they have out. Is that is that they like a newer feature? I, I do remember yep, checking they it out. Just, they just added it, I want to say within the last couple months, but it's, it's a pretty slick um, order book. I don't know about liquidity and everything on it, but it, it looks nice at least. <laughs> yeah, well, I know even Kujir themselves are right now still struggling with with liquidity i know the kuji liquidity on osmosis is pretty low so that that may or may or be more or less a broader issue right now in the cosmos is that fractured liquidity um, but hopefully that will change as more people kind of realize that the capabilities of some of these applications and, and drives more capital into the ecosystem which will then create more liquidity well and i think speaking to that with having an order book and lower liquidity, you're able to, like you said, put in your specific order you want, especially for some people that are purchasing larger amounts of mm -hmm. different assets. Um, the slippage can really be a killer. So if you could put in, you know, a couple different orders at different prices and it might take a little bit longer to get those assets, but at least you're getting them at the price you want and not having to have that slippage or, you know, a weird price because you are buying so much. Like, yeah. Which, like you said, especially with some of these low liquidity uh, LPs, if you are purchasing a, a large amount of one side of the pool, it can get off balance um, quite a bit. And then the, the amount of slippage you're eating becomes, like you said, very significant. Um, so, to, yes, to your point, these order books may take a lot longer to fill your order because you don't have that immediate liquidity available um, like an AMM does. But at least you're going to get it at the price when it's able to match you up with you know, people willing to sell at that same price. So yep. you're not, again, it's, it's that whole time value of money you have to consider. There's all these different factors that kind of give you the advantages and disadvantages of each, uh, you know, either order book or an AMM. But what's, what I think is nice is that we have both, right? You, you have the option exactly. as a user 
to pick which one fits you best, or maybe you use them for different reasons. Maybe you trade on the order book decks because you can set limits. But when you just need to quickly make a swap, you like the AMM because you know you're going to get it right. Right then, it's going to be right around the price you think you need, but you're not too concerned if it's one or two percent off. So, yeah, that's a that's a great explanation. Yeah, well, it's always um, that okay, give and take, wanted, right? Some of their some of their pairs um, we wanted to go over. Right now, they have, I mean, Axel USDC. That's pretty much the de facto um, stable coin on the cosmos right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the big reasons that they're trying to push USK quickly, or not quickly, but you know, trying to get it out is so that they can have a little more control over the stable coin that cause right now it is a stable coin that is being bridged in from outside of the cosmos, which we all know how secure bridges can be. Right. Yeah. No, th- there's always that bridge risk. And I, and I know if we can avoid that and have a native stable coin, that is always preferred in my eyes. And then on top of that options too, if you have yes. multiple, give, give people multiple options. So they're not stuck with one coin. If something were to happen. And that was, yes, exactly right. Cause that was going to essentially be my, my statement was, and it's USDC, which some people might not feel comfortable holding, especially after what's happening with all these privacy issues now with tornado cash. And now they're blacklisting certain addresses or right. addresses that have used certain applications. Um, and I know USDC is freezing assets in wallets of people who've used these applications. So once you get into that type of environment where it's very much a centralized stable and you don't have control even of if you can withdraw from your own wallet, that is where you get to this troublesome aspect of, I can see where some would say, I no longer want to use USDC. So therefore, to your point, we need more options and a native one that you don't have to bridge is absolutely necessary at this point. Um, so I'm hoping between USK, I think IST, um, I think uh, there's one more, one or two more other stables right now in the Cosmos that are being built. I hope one of you them. You have EUR and then Silk. Yep, yep. I'm just hoping one of them can come through for us because we need a native stable coin now. And and for example, with EEUR, like the Euro, it is a fully collateralized and audited um, stable coin, which is awesome. But the problem is I don't want to hold the Euro. <laughs> right, so yeah. It, it's, it, it, presents a whole different issue there where it's, that is probably the stable coin that I'm most confident in, in that sense, but I, I'm not trying to hold the Euro right now. So yeah, you're confident in the stable coin, but not in the Euro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is, right. The problem. <laughs> like I'm not trying to give away my value in a different way. I do a plenty of that on my own. So, uh, yeah. Okay. And then I wanted to also discuss with fees. Um, what are some of the protocols that are currently being built? Because there's, four right now that have gone through um, proposals and gotten some grants from the community, actually. So we have uh, the first one is called Black Whale, and they're going to be a market-making protocol. Uh, How do you feel about what they're doing? So overall, I'm a fan of of the idea of having these market-maker-type bots or these different mechanisms of keeping spreads tight and kind of making the decks more efficient. So from that standpoint, I, I'm not against it. Um, however, I was a little, I guess, I didn't think that the proposal had enough detail for me to get comfortable around the total ask. But I do believe that overall that it is a value add to the ecosystem. So I know they have, I think, collected one portion of the grant. Um, and since then, I think they actually said they no longer need the other portion due to the price action. That is um, correct, yeah. And, and I think that is... 
a good thing because I, personally, I thought they were asking for far too much for the product they're creating. Um, do I think it was going to help Kujira? Yes. But do I think that the community needs to pay that much for that? I think we could have gotten it for less. And I think that's proven now, um, now that they've launched it, you know, kind of proven the profitability and realize they no longer need funding. But I commend them for, for admitting that and still not trying to go after additional funding that they could have easily probably gotten approved. Correct. Well, and I think that's, that's kind of an overarching theme is we both, I think a lot of other people feel that some of these proposals are not as detailed as we would like them to be, especially with people asking for money. Um, I mean, if, yeah, you can really go into the details of why you need this much money and how you're going to spend it. Like we're fine with giving people money. That's not the issue. It's just, we want to know exactly what you're going to use it for. Right. And and how did you come up with this number? That's always something that's been super important to me, right? Because these are community funds, so they should benefit one, the entire community and the community should know there should be some transparency into what they're going to be used for and how it's going to how it's going to kind of benefit the community. So, you know, a lot of these people are just asking for a number because that number seems right, right? Like, hey, I put in a lot of time and effort and I think it's worth 5,000. Well, I agree. There's there's a certain price to be paid for your time and effort and for the product, especially if there's some sort of continuing costs like hosting or infrastructure. So 100% think those things should be funded. But um, one thing we noticed is when we push back on, you know, where did, how did you come up with this number or what builds up to this number? There wasn't a whole lot of support other than, well, it seems fair. And, and to me, that's, that is not enough to, you know, get approved for community funding. Um, now, if that was coming from like a protocol owned pool that they have control over, then I'm fine with them using it however they see fit. But when it's coming from a community pool, I, I really think there's this extra kind of burden that, that you have to, or I guess the, the bar is a little higher in my eyes of how much you need to explain and um, provide disclosure into what the funds will be used for. And after a lot of pushback, I think most teams have decided they didn't need the extra money. So um, with, I, I would say at that point that we were probably correct. It was probably too large of an ask. Yeah. Well, and I think, I know I, you, we we're talking about Sea Shanty, which is a Telegram bot that Capybara, Capybara Labs is creating, and they had asked for $5,000 a month, and I know there was some pushback, and actually they are going to revise their dollar amounts and look at submitting a different type of proposal, or I think a lower dollar amount proposal um, going forward. So yeah, having that community pushback and just saying, hey man, like you, if you can justify this dollar amount, that's totally fine, but please justify it somehow. Right. Exactly. And that, and that's really what it comes down to is just, we need to justify it in some way. You know, it just, it just can't be this pie in the sky. It, and so I think a lot, because we, we've seen a lot of pushback on these first few proposals. I imagine the next ones um, will be scrutinized a lot more by one, the community, but also by the people preparing them. Um, I think yeah. they're going to make sure that they're including a lot of these, uh, additional details so that they're not facing this, you know, community backlash that can, can kind of ruin your image uh, in a community. And, and when it's this early on in a protocol, you really, really don't want to be known as, you know, the product or the validators who were trying to milk the extra funds. Um, and I'm not saying that either of them were because no, the way that not. both Black Whale and Capybara have responded proves to me that they were 100% listening to the community and trying to do its best for them. So, 
not, I'm by no means trying to say that's what they were doing. Um, and I think they proved that, but the point is some, some people, some validators or some, um, people asking for grants will do that. Um, so that's why you have to be very kind of diligent when you're going through these and making sure that we are calling out, um, stuff that doesn't make sense. Yep. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the cosmos is it's a very active set of people who are very invested in the ecosystem. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're not just going to be able to get rid of or get away with some quick proposal. Like people actually want to know what's going on. And one of the ones I did want to mention is Calc that they are um, developing a dollar cost averaging protocol and their proposal was very well laid out. They had a really good medium article. They went through all their costs and everything. And I thought that was a, I think that's a really good example of one that others should look at when they are developing their own proposals. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's actually something that maybe would be a benefit to the community is if we had kind of either templates or examples to show, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. they can look on the proposal, the on-chain proposals, but if we could actually show them, you know, here's what a good proposal looks like and here's why, and kind of give them those best practices to use as their template. I think overall it'll benefit the entire protocol as we see higher level, um, more informative proposals cross the desk. Exactly. Well, and then you just, you don't have any sort of miscommunication where some people might interpret the proposal one way, some people might interpret the proposal another way, and then, you know, everybody gets heated at each other because it wasn't laid out specifically how it's going to be. Exactly. Yep. No, I, I completely agree on that. And yeah, and to your point, it's early. So I think it, this is the time for this to happen, but yeah. um, it's also when you can be, do the most damage to the protocol because there is such a, a large amount of tokens being allocated. Yep. Especially with it all being uh, permissioned. So the only way to actually launch a um, protocol on Kujira at the moment is to go through a government proposal. Yeah, agreed. So I guess to to wrap this up, um, I know we we were just going to quickly mention that obviously that USK and Orca are live on Testnet. So if if you want, to, you can go check that out and start you know, using the the protocol and seeing how it feels and giving feedback. Um, I don't know when if they've announced an official launch date, but from what I've heard, the testnet is going very well. So I would expect it to be fairly quick, especially based on their last few uh, primitives. They've put, put them out pretty quickly after announcing. Um, but then I guess to, to finally wrap it up, what, and this is more just an opinion, what, what are the next pairs of, I guess, tokens you'd like to see come to Kujira? Um, because obviously right now they have a few of the, the major ones in the, in the cosmos. And then they, I think they have, uh, Avalanche and Ethereum, but what other tokens would you like to see on Fin? I mean, as far as like native Cosmos tokens, they they have a pretty good amount of the top volume ones. Um, they don't have Acash or Comdex yet. I'm assuming those would be added as the next um, native co- or Cosmos tokens. And then as far as outside of that, I would be looking at probably Bitcoin. Um, maybe soul um like wrapped ones of those and then obviously all their usk pairs that i'm assuming they're going to be adding when usk goes live yeah okay i mean i think that's that's pretty much my thing i would love to see usk obviously but that'll take some time and then from there 
would say Bitcoin, right? It's like, yeah, I think it's a big one because it's already on osmosis. So it's, I mean, people have the option to invest in it elsewhere in the ecosystem. Right. And to your points, like they really do have a lot of like the, the big hitters in the cosmos. So yeah, they were pretty I mean, good about going down the, I mean, the line of uh, most liquidity basically and going through each one and knocking them out. So no, I agree. And I think that was a very a smart approach, but I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, just wanted to get your opinion there, see if, yeah. see if we we're aligned. And I think we pretty much were, um, but yeah, love what they're doing. It's cool to have some, some of these terror projects coming over to the cosmos and, and kind of keeping to that ecosystem that they were in before. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team can do. So uh, one, well, I did want to mention one last thing kind of, yeah. you just reminded me of that with the Terra thing. So anybody that was on Terra and had Kujira, they still have migration open to move your uh, Kujira from the Terra to the Kujira chain. And it sounds like they're going to leave that open pretty much indefinitely. So if at any time you want to migrate, uh, Kujira has a great little migration guide on their Twitter. Um, otherwise, you can reach out to one of us on Twitter. We'd be more than happy to help. Um, but I think that's something really cool that they're not putting any sort of time limit or anything on that, that if you had Kujira on Terra, you can transfer it over at any time uh, to the new Kujira chain. And it was pretty much, I feel like it was pretty much a one-to-one transfer. I mean, I got basically what I had on the Terra chain back on Kujira. So I think that's that's another pretty awesome thing that they're doing. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think it's really cool, like you said, that they're they're leaving that open indefinitely because at the end of the day, that's people's investments and they, they deserve to be able to reclaim it if they want to. But then two, I'm sure a lot of people who are involved in that crash still haven't, you know, gathered up the strength to get back into the markets and start yeah. looking at wallets and really doing a lot of that, you know, reflecting. So I think they should have all the time in the world they need to come back and kind of reorganize their thoughts before they have to transfer them over and start to sell over again. So uh, I really appreciate the team kind of considering that. So with that, I think we'll wrap up today's Daybreak Crypto. We had an extra long episode today, but we really felt it was important to cover uh, this one just because of how massive this whole Kajira experience has been to the cosmos the last couple of weeks. They've been on absolute tear, um, I think for good reason. But yeah, it's just exciting to see what they're doing and building and it's cool to have a protocol that's really focused on sustainability. So Greg, thanks for joining us today. Um, I'm sure we'll be on again next week. I don't know what we'll be discussing, but uh, we'll be continuing to give you guys updates on the overall crypto market, um, slight focus on Cosmos. And if we get any major updates on Kuji or any sort of funding deals, we'll be sure to hop on and let you guys know. So see you all next week and have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.